If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with us to 2 Peter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look in verses 1 through 9. 2 Peter 2, verses 1 through 9. Again, with this same theme as we were in last week, Jesus is worthy. Jesus, he is worthy of our devotion. This is part four in this series, and we're going to just title today's message as the devastation of false teachers. Now, this is part one of that. We may have three different parts of, or two parts of this devastation of false teachers, because it seems like chapter two, Peter is dealing with false teaching uh, with, uh, for the churches. He's helping them to understand some things that are important as it relates to false teaching and false teachers. How many of you would say that this sounds familiar? We don't roar. We don't fight. But we're going to score tonight. <laughs> or watch us Tomcats keep rolling along. That sound familiar? It don't? Ooh, maybe I watch too much TV. Well, if it does sound familiar to you, uh, you'll recognize this. If it doesn't sound familiar to you, you may also recognize this. This comes from the first season, the fourth episode of the show Good Times. That makes sense now? Is it starting to come to you? <laughs> uh in this episode, James Evans, his old army buddy, Reverend Sam, who has turned into a televangelist, uh, Reverend Sam, the happiness man. I don't know if you remember that episode, but in that episode, this flashy Reverend Sam, he shows up at the Evans apartment. He's in Chicago and and here at this apartment that the Evans family lives in, they're in they're in Southside Chicago. They're they're in the projects. And here this reverend stops by to visit his old army buddy, Honest James. And as he's visiting Honest James, he invites him to become part of his entourage. And inviting him to be part of his entourage, he's telling James, I'll pay you $100 a day, seven days a week. $700 a week. In the middle of the 70s, in Southside Chicago, <laughs> to a family who's living in the projects, this is a lot of money. A lot of money. And he is offering this to him if he'll just come along with him. As a matter of fact, Florida is really upset when she, when Sam comes into the apartment. He puts this in front of James, and James begins to really consider it. So, honest, well, Reverend Sam invites the family and Walona, of course, to go to a meeting he's having that night for them to see for themselves that what he is doing is on the up and up. Well, when they come home, Florida's still not convinced. As a matter of fact, they come home and they're arguing over this and James goes to start packing a bag. As he's packing a bag, Reverend Sam comes to the door just to see if James had made up his mind and if he was getting ready. They had to leave that night. They were about to leave the apartment. James's mind is set up, set, it's set 
$700 a week in the middle 70s to a family living in the projects in south side of Chicago. And then all of a sudden in the door comes one of the drivers for Reverend Sam. And unwittingly and unintentionally, he exposes Reverend Sam. As he exposed Reverend Sam for what he's doing, James has a clash with his conscience. He has this clash with his conscience simply because J.J. puts his pitch in to join the entourage. Folks, we need to beware of false teachers. We need to beware of false teaching that is going on, as well as the false teachers. So let's read in our text today, as Peter speaks to us about the destructiveness of false teaching and how the reality of false teachers are going to be destroyed. Now, just hold on to that episode. We'll get back to it. <laughs> I know it, sound, it seemed a little cut off. Just hold on to it. We'll get back to it. Um, when we look here in chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, the Bible says this. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. You will secretly bring who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly and delivered righteous lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked that the righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds if the Lord's done this he says in verse 9 then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you. We praise you. We lift you up for this day you've given us. We just thank you for your word and the comfort that it brings. And we pray, God, that you would help us to focus our hearts and minds and our will upon your word. To where we would make your will for our lives our will. And God, we we know that we will be blessed for you want nothing but the best for us. God, we pray today that if there's one here who is falling under false teaching, that God today, that they would see the truth of your gospel and the truth of your son and they would cry out, what must I do to be saved? Today, God, if there's one who is following the teaching of 
of Lucifer, this angel who was cast out of your kingdom. God, if they're believing his lie rather than your truth, let today be a day that they call out to you. What must I do to be saved? For God, we know that you are faithful and just to forgive them of their sin, that you would cleanse them from all unrighteousness and you'd put them on a straight and narrow path. So now, God, we pray that you would have your way for the remainder of this service and whatever said and done, God, that you are glorified in the midst of it all, that your son is magnified through it all, and that, God, we would be edified for all eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we hear Peter giving warnings about false teachings and false teachers, we have to wonder why is there such a need for the warning of false teachings and false teachers? It's simply because of the devastation that surrounds it. People are quick to believe a lie, especially when it allows people to live any kind of way that they please. Too often people are looking for us to agree with them rather than to tell them the truth. Has anybody encountered that? Say amen. amen. Yeah, people want us to agree with them even though we know that they're wrong and we want to somehow pacify them rather than we, they want to hear the truth from us. And I, I believe we've got to be in a place in our walk with God to where we're willing to tell them the truth rather than to lie to them. We've got to be in a place in our walk with God that we fear God more than we fear man. They want us to tell them that it's okay to protest and wage war against the government. When the Bible teaches us in Romans 13 and 1 to submit ourselves to the governing authorities. They want us to tell them that it's okay if we feel that everything is right. Then everything's going to be okay. When the Bible tells us that the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our Lord is what's going to stand forever. They want us to tell them that heaven is for everyone and a loving God will not reject anyone. But Jesus in John 1, in, 1, in John 14 and 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Je Jesus also says that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. People want any excuse, any excuse that they can find to, uh, to not have to live under what they deem to be restraints and demands of Jesus Christ. They see Jesus' commands as being burdensome when in fact, 1 John 5 and 3 says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. In other words, what John is saying, that if we love God, we will want to keep his commandments. And if we keep his commandments, we'll find that they're not burdensome, but they're helpful. Jesus tells us in Matthew 11 and 28, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How can we be burdened with the restraints of God when he says that he'll take all our burdens off of us? When we look in this section of chapter 2, we, it would be wise for us to heed Peter's words as he shares with us the devastation of false teaching and false teachers. 
And we see right here as it begins in this, in this chapter with, the, with just the first verse, he begins with letting us know that false teaching is destructive. According to the text, false teachers have always existed. In ancient times, false prophets were very prevalent. Uh, and, and these false prophets, pro, uh, their prophecy had destructive outcomes. Verse 1 tells us, but there were false prophets among the people, even as there were false teachers among you. In ancient time, while God was speaking and giving his word to men, there, there were some who were denying his word and teaching destructive heresies. They were misleading the people. False prophets were throughout the Old Testament period. And there were people who were denying the truth of God's word. If you don't remember, I want to refresh your remembrance here with the prophet Jeremiah. He wrote to the captives who were being carried out of Jerusalem into Babylon. He wrote them a letter uh, and his letter was prophecy from God he had given him to share with the captives these were instructions to build houses and dwell in them they were instructed to plant gardens and to eat of its fruit they were to take wives and have children they were to seek peace and pray that God would provide peace in Babylon for them for the Lord said that after 70 years he would visit them and bring them back to the land in which he had given them. These were the words of God to the prophet Jeremiah, a prophet that God declared that before he was in his mother's womb, he had ordained him to be a prophet. However, there would be prophets sharing that their captivity would be short. Here Jeremiah is telling them, you're going to be in bondage for 70 years, so get comfortable. But God's going to bring you out. You know, here's what I like about the idea that he tells them 70 years. You know, the first thing we're going to think about, man, that's a long time. I might not even live with seven, uh, for 70 more years. What, you're telling me I got to die here in Babylon? But what he told them for 70 years was there's a limited time they would be in bondage. That soon God would still be on his throne and God would still see them with favor and God would bring them out of bondage and into the land that he had promised them. They, were, they weren't seeing that. So they were looking to these false prophets who would tell them, oh no, you're only going to be in bondage for a couple years. You'll be there for a short time. You won't be there very long. And the king and others, they trusted these false prophets that weren't sent by God, but rather, rather than heeding the prophecy of Jeremiah who was clearly sent by God. And what it resulted in was God's judgment upon the false prophets and the leaders that followed them. According to today's text, we're reminded that false teachers are still among us today. Amen. They were among Peter during his day, and they're still among us today. What, now, does this mean that we have false teachers here in our church? I certainly hope not. <laughs> I certainly hope that we don't have false teachers here at Reedy Branch. I, I, I'm, I'm really convinced of this. I'd go as far as to say that we may not all agree on everything in the scriptures, but I believe we agree on the most important things in the scriptures. While the word is important from cover to cover, the doctrines of our faith the belief in Jesus Christ as the, the only begotten son of God. The fact that he died for our sins. He arose on the third day. He, he's coming back to receive us again. We agree on that. Amen. 
Yes, I think those aspects of Christianity and the teachings of the Bible, I don't believe here we have false teachers who are going against those things. But this text seems to be speaking more in a general or a broad sense. Because yes, in this time, yes, in this generation, yes, in this day that we're living in, there are many false prophets offering false teachings concerning the word of God. Some religions, they've went as far as to take God's word, his written word, along with some revelation that either them or their leader has. has, And and they've taken some of God's words out, placed some of their words in, and they form this and say that this is God's word. God's word. I want to tell you, we can't touch God's word. It's his complete word to you and I. There are others who have written their own book altogether and use it as their authority. And then there are those, there are those who says, well, the Bible is not complete. God still will give us new revelations. We've just got to trust him. And, and I want to tell you, it's a lie straight out of hell. This is God's complete revelation to us. Anything else, he would have put it in the book. Because it's not in the book. When we get to heaven, we can ask him about it. But I want to tell you something. When you get to heaven, you won't care to ask him about it. All you want to do is worship him. Because you'll see him in all his glory. Folks, there is so much out there you would not believe. And if we fail to listen... To search and follow the truth of God's word, we'll find ourselves being tossed about by every wind of doctrine. But it, it does pose the question, what is it that Peter's dealing with? When we're looking in this passage, we, we have to wonder, why is this so important to Peter? Why is he writing this to us? What is, what is the church dealing with in this day? Well, he tells us what they're dealing with. There are false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them. That's what was going on. They were denying the Lord who bought them. In other words, they were saying, I've never been for sale. They were saying, I've never been bought. (laughs) In other words, what they were doing was denying Jesus Christ. That's what they were doing. It was Jesus Christ who paid the penalty of our sin. It was his blood that was shed to purchase our redemption. It was his burial resurrection that provides us hope that we can live with him for all eternity. And these false teachers were denying Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Listen, I don't care what anybody else tells you in this world. I don't care what you hear on television. No matter what celebrity it may be, Jesus is the only begotten of God. He is the Messiah. He's the one the Jews were looking for and the ones that they rejected and hung on a cross. He is the one that forgave you of your sins when you called out to him. And there is no other. Here, even among our own denomination, factions have grown. Factions that fail to stand on the truth of God's word. Now, I'm not talking about our association. I'm talking bigger than that. I'm talking about our denomination. And these churches, they hide behind the idea that, that the churches ought to have the right to interpret the scriptures the way they choose to. And, and they are the, uh, it, it's up to them what they accept and what they don't accept. And now another prominent denomination in the United States is facing a split because of these same premises. 
Truth of the matter is that we don't have a right to interpret the scriptures the way we want it to fit our lives. Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, it tells us knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This is God's word and God's word interprets God's word and God's spirit fills our heart and mind to know the truth of God's word and we don't have a right to change any of it today men and women are going on their own preaching and teaching false doctrines they're misleading and they're exploiting people they're leading people to live immoral lives teaching them to live according to the flesh but the bible teaches us that we're to put our flesh into subjection 1 Corinthians 9 and 27, Paul says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul said there's no reason if I'm going to preach, I'm going to live what I preach. And if I don't put my body into subjection, if I don't crucify the flesh daily, then I'm no good as a preacher. And I'm coming to understand that my walk will speak louder than my talk. They were here, these false teachers, false prophets, they were exploiting people. They were taking advantage of them out of their own lust and out of their own greed. They were more interested in popularity than they were in ministry. And because of this, destruction come. Because of this, destruction's on its way. Because it's still happening today. Just as destruction came to the false prophets of Jeremiah's day, just as destruction came to the false teachers of Peter's day, destruction will swiftly come to those false teachers because of their false teachings, even today. Yes, false teachings, they are destructive. But when we continue to look in here, what we find also is false teachers will be destroyed. Here, if you look in verse 3 and then verses 4 through 9, what we see in verses 4 through 9 is that it shares three illustrations of what verse 3 says. Uh, These illustrations remind us that false teachers will be destroyed. Because here on earth, it may seem that false teachers will continue to live without consequences. But no matter how successful these false teachers seem to be, We can rest assured God's not falling asleep. God hasn't forgotten them. The day's coming when all of them will reap what they sow. They have no excuse. They will be destroyed for leading people away from the truth of God and the truth of God's word. Now, how can we be so sure false teachers will answer for their deeds? But God did not spare the angels in heaven who sinned. Instead, he cast them down to hell. Ages ago, Satan was the highest created being created by God, known as Lucifer. He did what so many people have done. He chose to go his own way. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 14 and 12 says, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. You know, Frank Sinatra sang a song with words that said, regrets, I've had a few, 
But then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, Satan or Lucifer, he did things his way. He rebelled against God. He led a host of angels to rebel against God. And because of his rebellion and leading a a rebellious group against God, God judged them, cast them from an exalted position and sentenced them to an eternity in hell. If God would judge his created beings, how much more will he judge those who teach false teachings to people? But he didn't just cast angels out of heaven. The Bible tells us that God didn't spare the old world. God created the world. The Bible teaches us he spoke the world into existence. Genesis 1. And, and when you look throughout Genesis 1 through Genesis 11, you see how, how things are, are about this world. That God really took pride in everything he did. He spoke and, and the water separated from the land. He spoke and, and day separated from night. He spoke and vegetation came. He spoke and, and all things were created. He reached down in the dust of the ground and he created man. He, he looked and saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone so he took a rib out of man and he created a woman and then man become wicked because they wanted to do things their way they wanted to go their own way they thought they could build a tower to God and God uh, confounded their language the way they couldn't understand one another spread them all across the world and as the population continued to grow they got to a point to where they were so wicked in their hearts that God destroyed the whole earth save one family one family and he destroyed the earth why why did he save one family because in that family was a a patriarch in that family was a man who led his family who led his children who led his wife A man who was willing to stand up and say God's word is true. When God spoke to him, he believed it more than he believed anything else. When they had never saw rain and God said, it's going to rain and I'm going to flood the earth. He he believed God. When God said, build an ark for the saving of your family, he believed God and he built the ark. While people were ridiculing, while they were laughing at him, while they were spitting on him, while they were abusing him, he still kept faithful at the work God called him to do, preaching the message that God had called him to preach. Repent for judgment is coming. I want to tell you folks if you're here today I'm going to keep preaching this until I can't preach it anymore. Repent for judgment is coming. If people would not repent and God didn't sleep nor slumber at the appropriate time he destroyed the earth with water. saved one family and a male and female of every kind of animal because they were willing to obey God and enter into the safety that God provided. What safety is that for you? It's Jesus Christ. God provided a way of salvation for us and Jesus is our only safety. If he didn't spare his creation 
all that he took the time to do, why do we think he won't bring judgment upon false teachers for their false teachings? Genesis 6 and 5, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great upon the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I wonder sometimes as I look upon this world, how bad was it? For the Bible teaches us when the day of judgment comes, it's going to be in this world as it was in the days of Noah. According to this, it was so bad that everyone's heart was corrupt except Noah's family. Genesis 6 and 12 says, And God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. God judged the earth. He sent a flood to cover it, and all the wicked were destroyed, except for one family. Genesis 6 and 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When you call upon Jesus, you'll find grace in the eyes of the Lord. But God didn't just judge the angels who rebelled against the wicked in this world. He also destroyed He also destroyed the earth itself. But there was another step God took. After he replenished the earth, after he called Abraham or Abram out from his family to establish his own people. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He burned the city, turning it into ashes. In Genesis 19, verses 24 through 28, the Bible says, Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to a place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain, and he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land, which went up like the smoke of of a furnace. He destroyed this city. Saved one man and his daughters. When that man's wife turned to look back upon judgment of those cities, she faced judgment immediately. She didn't make it out. She was destroyed. Why did God do this? The people of Sodom were so immoral and wicked. Everyone in the city had to be judged. We remember the story. How the men of God who we believe to be a theophany that God himself came. Manifested as these men or these angels. They came into Sodom and Gomorrah. And and the men of the city desired them. 
so that they were pushing Noah, uh, Lot, they were pushing Lot's door in. And as they were pushing Lot's door in, Lot yelled out to them, look, I got daughters who've never known a man. Take them and do with them as you please. Ain't no way in the world you'd have got me to tell a group of men to take my daughter and do with them as they please. But Lot did. We know Lot lived among heathen people. We know Lot lived in a time and a place where it was hard to find any righteous. For God said he wouldn't destroy it if they could find ten righteous people. And they couldn't find it. Peter calls Lot righteous. The Bible tells us in Genesis why they were saved. And it was because God remembered Abraham. And Abraham was a friend of God's. Again, if God could cast angels who rebelled against him out of heaven into an eternity of hell, and if God, he would destroy the face of the earth for its wickedness, leaving one family to be saved to replenish the earth, and later destroy two cities for their wickedness, saving one man and his daughters, how can we not believe that God will place judgment upon false teachers today? You know, I told you in that episode of Good Times that James had a clash with his conscience. You see, when this driver comes in and he reveals all that Reverend Sam was doing, I believe James began to ponder as J.J. made his case for joining Reverend Sam's entourage. Reverend Sam was willing to bring him along as J.J. demonstrated how he could use him. But honest James said, Sam, they don't print enough money to make me ruin my son's life. Now, J.J. cried out, come on, dad, ruin me. <laughs> Again, this is the mid-70s in the projects in Southside, Chicago, and now they have an opportunity to make a hundred dollars a day, seven days a week. But James Evans, he would not join him in exploiting and deceiving people with false teachings and misrepresentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you watch the show, you know Florida's the believer. James is not. But he wouldn't sell his son or sell his soul for false teachings. Folks, we must stand on God's truth. God's truth will stand when all, this, when all else fails. No matter who stands in our way or who stands in opposition to us, teaching or preaching the truth, they can't defeat us. They might remove us, but they never Defeat us. God knows how to deliver the faithful out of the hands of the unjust. And God knows how to deliver the unjust. The right 
judgment. Lot, like Lot, like Abraham, like Noah, let's not forget that standing with God is standing with the majority, even when it's just me and God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What is the truth, preacher, of the gospel? The truth of the gospel is simply that in the fullness of time, God sent his only begotten son to be born of a virgin, to be wrapped in swaddling clothes, to be placed in a manger. He grew in wisdom and knowledge in which he is the very author of He lived a sinless life, fulfilling all that the scriptures had said would come. And at the appointed time, they arrested him. They beat him. They mocked him. They pulled the hair out of his face. They placed the crown of thorns on his head. They nailed him to an old rugged cross, suspended him between heaven and earth. And he hung upon that cross, bleeding, shedding his precious blood for your sins and mine. The righteous for the unrighteous. He was righteous. We are the unrighteous. Then he commended his spirit into the hands of his father, saying it is finished. They took him off the cross, placed him in a borrowed tomb, And on the third day, under his own power, he arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Revealed himself for 40 days and 40 nights until he went away to be with the Father, leaving the message, I'll be back. When I come back, I'll receive you unto myself. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. Would you believe this today? This is the truth of the gospel. Would you believe it? Would you believe it and receive Jesus as your savior? If you're ready to believe it, would you just pray with me? God, I am a sinner. I've failed you more than I can count. God, I'm tired and I'm weak. God, I humbly come to you. God, I believe 
Jesus is your son. I believe he's the savior of the world. I believe he died for me. God, I give my life to Jesus. I trust him as my savior. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for what you've done right now. Help me to share this with the world. You know, I believe if you pray this and believe it with all your heart, it's enough to be saved. It's that simple. It doesn't take rocket science to understand it. It's the simple truth of the gospel. Believing it and receiving it.